Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. You ask the average Christ follower, average Christian, average believer in Jesus, do you believe the Trinity exists? Oh, yeah. Tell me what you know about it. Uh, there's three of them, I think. And sadly, that's, that's where our Trinity theology often stops. We know there's three of them. We're just not sure what their role is and how they all work together. And So let's look at that this morning as a, one of these foundational things. We're going to be in several passages. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 1, if you want to turn there. But we're going to see the Trinity weave itself all the way th- through Scripture from eternity past to eternity future. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 and 26 is our first point. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So there's Father and Spirit in the first two verses. Look at chapter 20, or verse 26 of chapter 1. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. First thing I want us to see from this text is the Trinity existed before time. Before there was anything, before there was anyone, the Trinity was there. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, verse 26 says. So we see in verse 1 that the Father and the Spirit are both present, pre-creation, to create, to bring these things about. The God spoke it into existence. The, the Spirit, in verse 2 says, was hovering over the, water, the surface of the waters. Uh, then Hebrews tells us that Jesus gave shape and form and design to the things that the Father spoke into existence, that he was, he was the detail guy. He was the the guy who fills in the cracks and gave everything its form and shape and color and texture. Uh, then in verse 26, the use of the word us points to God, the Father and God, the Son. Since the Holy Spirit has no, no image, no physical form, the us that he's referring to in verse 26 has to be the Father and the Son who did have his physical form. So uh, he, he spoke man into existence and fashioned man to look like the Father and the son, the important thing to note here is that before there was time, before there was anything or anyone or anywhere, there was the triune Godhead. There was the Father, Son, and Spirit in, in, into existence. And um, the, uh, the Spirit w- w- was there to, to bring about the, the uh, hovering over the surface of the waters. We see that. And, and the Father spoke those things into existence. Now, none of this happens before God speaks into, into existence. And a biblical worldview, uh, I believe, begins with creation and what we believe about, what the book says about creation. As I read and digest the Word of God, I'm, my takeaway, I, I'm of the opinion that the earth is several thousand years old, not several million years old. You're welcome to believe what you want to about that. Both of us have got the right to be wrong. Uh, but I believe the, the earth is several thousand years old on, on the Genesis account. Uh, either way, whether it's several thousand years old or th- several million years old, it didn't get here until God spoke it into existence. And so Father, Son, and Spirit were there 
to, to get that, to set it all into motion. They were here before time. Secondly, the Trinity was not only here before time, but, but the Trinity, in, in, in the Trinity, each has a role. Turn if you will to John chapter 14. We'll look at these roles together. John chapter 14, verses 25 to 27 says this, all this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, Jesus is speaking, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, now, this phrase in verse 26 here is where we see the hierarchy and the roles of the, the, the three persons of the Trinity come into play. The Father here <clears throat> in this passage, and really everywhere in Scripture, the Father's role is obviously the one of supreme authority in, in, in the Trinity. Then this phrase, in my name, Jesus is speaking, he says, in my name, the Spirit will come and do this, will give you, will give you understanding. The phrase in my name places the authority of Jesus above the authority of the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say that the Spirit's role is to remind us of what Jesus has said. So, some have taught, I believe incorrectly, but that's okay. We'll, we'll get this all straightened out in heaven one of these days. Some have taught that all three forms of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, have equal authority. I don't believe the Bible teaches that. I believe the Father has supreme authority. The Son has, has the authority above the Spirit, and the Spirit then uh, comes in third, n n number three, and, and willingly so, because each knows their role. Uh, they are co-equals in purpose, they are co-equals in process, and they are co-equals in outcome, but each has a separate role, and I believe separate, separate uh, places of authority. Some have tried to illustrate this with, well, a person like myself, for example, who is both a son a father and a husband. But I'm still just one person. These are three persons, three entities, yet headed in a common direction, one with one purpose in mind, one goal in mind, one objective in mind. Um, one, each, each with specific roles and um, specific uh, functions to take place. But I believe it is the, the Spirit who gives, uh, what's the best way to put this? who gives meaning and direction to, to what the Son has said. And the Son then answers to the Father. So th th there is this hierarchy of authority uh, as well. Uh, each, each has a role. Now, turn to Matthew chapter 28. And we'll see in Matthew 28, the Trinity not only existed before time, and each of them has a role, but in verse 28, we're going to talk about their authority in verse 28, the, the Trinity has absolute authority. We're talking here in, in a corporate sense about the three of them together. Uh, Matthew tw uh, 28, verses 18 and 19. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people will call me and ask me if they can put me down as a job reference. Or if I can write a letter of recommendation for them. And I'm usually happy to do that. Unless they're a thug or something I don't, wouldn't, wouldn't approve of. But 
I'm usually happy to do that. And it's, it's in essence, because they're hoping their employer will give more credence and more weight to my opinion um, than Joe Schmo off the street. Um, I remember I was in the ninth grade and we were at football practice at Christenberry and two guys on our team got in a fight and Coach LaCava comes over to me and says, Tim, go break up the fight. I said, well, you're the coach. He said, yeah, but you're the captain. You go break up the fight. So I go over there, get a guy to help me pull it. You know, the, guy, the guys off of each other, break the fight up, and they, they shake hands and do their own thing. He corners me in, in, the, in the locker room after practice that day. He said, you know why I told you to do that? I said, no, I'm not real sure. He said, well, the captain means nothing if he doesn't have the player's respect. So I wanted to see if you had the respect. You, if you went to break up the fight and they kept fighting, you didn't have the respect. The captain was just a name, was just a, a term. But if, the, if you really had the respect, <clears throat> they'd stop fighting and do what you said. And they did, so you do. And the captain means more than just a title. Okay, I start, I'm starting to get it. And so th- th- that he wanted me to exercise some authority as a leader. Th- this phrase, in the, in the name of, in verse 19, points us to the collective authority of, of the Trinity. Uh, in, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit. Uh, baptism is the first step of obedience for a believer. And it, it, it's, it's the, it's the follow-through. They identify themselves with the body of Christ. And it's kind of like a badge of identity that they are willingly submitting to the authority of, of the triune Godhead, the Father who created them, the Son who died for them, and the Holy Spirit who lives inside of them. A new believer is baptized with the support of a church family, but they are baptized into God's family, into the family of God. So these instructions giving, Jesus is giving his disciples here as a part of the Great Commission is his way of saying, when you're discipling, when you're baptizing, when you're teaching uh, uh, or leading others, you're doing so under the authority of the three of us, not your own. And that is, it's easy to hear, it's sometimes hard to, to, to digest that the authority is his and not ours, but it is. And as we look at the collective authority of the Father, Father Son, and Spirit, we should see that as, a, as the powerful entity that it is. Because not only, as, as I talked about earlier, the Father having authority over Jesus, the Son, and Jesus over the Spirit in the Scripture. But when you combine those three roles together, the entities together, their tasks together, their, their skills and strengths together, it is a powerful entity for us to submit to. And that's the whole picture here in, in Matthew chapter 28 is we find ourselves in submission to this collective authority of the Trinity. Now, the Trinity is existed before time. Each, each one of the three has a role, and it, it is collectively the absolute authority that there is. Finally, turn to Revelation chapter 19. I want us to see that the Trinity is eternal. We talked a minute ago about our eternal past there being involved there before creation. And perhaps you've uh, seen some stories in the news recently. There was a 60-minute story, I think, last Sunday night about the Webb telescope that's been uh, launched into space, I guess, two or three years ago or so ago now, and how they're getting these shots in space from the gal- how deep the galaxy is that they never had an idea of. And it, it is 10 times the size as they thought it was. You know what that tells me? God's 10 times the authority that they thought he was. So th- this whole 
this whole discovery of, uh, of what happened in eternity past is that when God spoke it into existence, something really happened. I mean, something significant happened. So, and they're discovering that even more. Let's look at uh, Revelation 19, verses 9 and 10 together. It says this, And the angel said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. As I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, Do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So we saw from eternity past to eternity future, all three forms of the, of the triune Godhead are there. All three forms of the Trinity are there. From Genesis to Revelation and all the way through this whole section of Scripture. They're, they're both the, the propulsion and the rudder to the church and the propulsion and the rudder to each individual believer in, in each of our lives. Uh, I would describe the Trinity's position this way, that our faith is in the Father. Our function is in the work of the Son. And our follow-through is by way of the Holy Spirit. Get that? Our faith is in the Father. We function that faith. We live it out by what Jesus has done at the cross. And our, we're able to follow through because of what the Holy Spirit reminds us about Jesus himself and about his word. And so if that can sink in, uh, I, think, I think it more helps you clearly see, okay, here's how these guys work together and what, what difference it makes in my life. Um, it's, it's the Holy Spirit who secures us, who, who continually points us to Jesus and his word. The Father's completed work in us is to ultimately make us like his son, which takes the work of the Spirit to bring about, in essence. Uh, it takes three points to support any flat surface. You take one of those points away, things get a little wobbly and sometimes even fall down, but any, any flat surface can be supported and maintained by three points or three, three, three sources of anchor to them. And that's kind of the idea behind the Trinity is it is our, but we need all three to function uh, properly in our faith and, and walk that faith out. With just two, it's, it's going to fall over. With just one, it's even worse. Now, the enemy will usually try and get us to ignore things we don't understand very well. And where the Trinity came from, how, those, how Father, Son, and Spirit interact with each other and function together is a God thing that I'm going to tell you, I understand a little bit, but I know far less than I, th than I, I know about it. And there are some things that only heaven's going to reveal. But I hope you can leave today with a greater understanding of who these guys are, how they function together, what their roles are, and how that, what a difference that's supposed to make in our lives because they stabilize our walk. The Trinity stabilizes our walk. It doesn't, doesn't make it just one-dimensional. So the question you're probably asking is, Tim, this is all well and good, and I know more now than I knew when I walked in the back door. But what does this do? What does this look like in real life? How does this affect the way I live, live, live out my faith? In essence, put another way, how do I walk this out? Let me give you a simple solution. Couldn't be simpler. Worship the Father, imitate the Son, and listen to the Spirit. Worship the Father. That's what we do here on Sundays, whether it's in music, whether it's by way of prayer, whether it's by way of the Word. 
We worship the Father. In doing so, we imitate the Son because the Son worships the Father as well. He understands his role. Worship the Father, imitate the Son, and listen to the Spirit. If that's all you understand about the Trinity, you understand more than most believers about the Trinity. Why? Because each of them has a role, a design role to make us more like God, to conform us into his image, and for us to walk out our faith in ways that are more powerful and more understanding than we did before. But how do I get that tomorrow? How do I get that on Tuesday? How do I get that on Thursday? Worship the Father, imitate the Son, listen to the Spirit. Worship the Father, imitate the Son, listen to the Spirit. That's the, that's the function of the Trinity in your life and in my life. Let's pray. Father, we have indeed come to worship you. We've come to imitate the Son. We want to leave more like the Son than when we came here today. And as you have spoken to us through your word, through music, through the fellowship of other believers, help us to listen to the Spirit in all those things. In fact, we don't function well in our faith apart from Father, Son, and Spirit. Yes, what Jesus has done at the cross is sufficient for all of us, and it's all we need to get to heaven. And if we know you as our Savior, that's exactly where we're going. But how do we live victoriously? How do we live understanding your word? How do we live penetrating a lost culture with the gospel of Jesus? How do we live an active faith? We do so by worshiping the Father, imitating the Son, and listening to the Spirit. As we leave here today, would you help us to remember those things, to put those as institutions in our minds and in our brains each morning before we walk out the door to work? Help me, God, today to say a prayer to where I worship the Father today, I imitate the Son today, and I listen to the Spirit today. If I do those things, I won't be exactly where you want me, responding to, to our culture in exactly the way you want me to. You're going to open up doors for me to do those, those very things every day, to worship the Father, imitate the Son, and listen to the Spirit. I'm so thankful for your word. I'm thankful for the multiplicity of how it speaks to our hearts. I'm thankful for how you can take the complex in the form of the Spirit. Can he, he, he can take complex things and make us understand them. Why? Because he's living in us. Emmanuel, God with us, God in us. To bring understanding to truth, understanding to what was un otherwise ununderstandable. So today, stir our hearts with, what, with the things we've learned and cause us to live a more active, more confident faith when we walk out of this place than when we walked in. We love you. And we want that love to be reflected out of our lives today and tomorrow. So teach us tomorrow to worship the Father, to imitate the Son, and to listen to the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.